You're about to hear a message that was preached at Calvary Fellowship in Miramar, Florida. At Calvary, we exist to help people take their next step with God. And we pray that this message helps you do just that. And I know that each church has its own worship style, you know, which is cool. Some people are more expressive in worship, some people more subtle, and it's all good. Um, I go to a church that's pretty expressive in worship. It's, um, it's a hand-raising church. That's what it is, right? That's what, you know. Anybody here go to a hand-raising church? Anybody here? Sweet. Who here does not go to a hand-raising church? <laughs> some of you are trying. You're like, I can't. I want to. to I need to get some momentum. <laughs> totally cool. But hey, if you're not used to going to a hand-raising church, you want to go and join us, feel free to join us, but don't feel like you've got to join right in, okay? Start slow. We've got a lot of different hand-raises that we use. We actually have names for our hand-raises. So I'm going to walk you through real quick, okay, what they are, just to let you know. Say you're at my church, music is rocking, start slow, hands in the pockets, little elbow flap, you're fine. Very subtle. Get warmed up. Get your heart rate up. When you're warmed up, start with the first one. Ready? Carry the TV. Carry the TV. That's our first one. Very subtle. Go to big screen. Big screen, a little wider. Next one's my fish was this big. My fish was this big. If you're a liar, you can go out there. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Jesus loves you. Grace. Next one's hold my baby. Hold my baby. Got dueling light bulbs. That's our next one, dueling light bulbs. We got goalpost. Everybody knows goalpost. Throwing a heartburn. A lot of people like to do heartburn. Double heartburn, right back to goalpost. What's my favorite? Mufasa. Mufasa, that's my favorite. The circle of life. Tim, can you go higher? Yes, you can. You can take one hand, go a bunch of different stuff. Pointer, hatchet, schoolroom. Release the doves, give the Lord a high five. Press it out. A lot of women like to wash the window. Wash the window. And when you're comfortable there, go for the big three. Village people, Rocky, touchdown. There you go. There's your big three. Good morning, Calvary. <laughs> Hey, my name is Pastor George. I'm the worship pastor here at Calvary. Hey, can we give it up for the band? Come on now. You have no idea how blessed you guys are, seriously. Um, hey, you know, you know why we laugh at that? Because, man, it's true, okay? We, we all do something different when, we come, when it comes to worship. And um, I don't know about you, but for me, I do a weird one. Um, I don't do any of the, I don't know, heartburn. Heartburn was hilarious, but anyway. But um, I, actually, I actually play drums um, while I worship. It's the weirdest thing, okay? Um, if you don't know, I, I know I sing and play guitar every week here, but I'm actually a drummer. That's what I actually studied. That's what, you know, anyway. So when I'm ever at another church service or like at a conference and I'm worshiping next to my wife, my wife is just like, oh my goodness, can you please stop? I'm just like, you know, she's just like, calm it down. Like, come on, you know, and so that's how I do it. But we all express worship differently, don't we? You know, how many uh, ladies, like, uh, can, raise a hand. Who was here for the uh, Beauty Within conference? 
Yeah, look around. That's awesome, right? Let me tell you something. The windows have never been cleaner in this place, okay? <laughs> you guys love washing that window. I mean, like, it was like washing the windows, washing the windows. And it's amazing. Uh, in the small time that we do have to worship, it's amazing how to express worship to God. But what if I told you that whether you raise your hands or not, could you still worship? Yes. Oh, okay. All right, cool. We're on the same page. All right, cool. Awesome. What about if you, even if you don't sing, sing or not, can you still worship? Hmm. Okay, I like you guys. Hmm. I can't tell that you lost an hour of sleep. It's incredible. Um, how about this? What if, uh, what if you don't even believe in God? Can you still worship? Oh, quieter. This I was quiet. I don't know what to say. Is that a trick question? Are you trying? Yeah, of course you. Of course you can still worship, because guess what? God created all of us, believers or non-believers. It doesn't matter. He created all of us to do one thing: worship Him. He created something in us, a longing that each of us has, a desire that we cannot help. Now, if you don't worship God, you're worshiping someone, something. It doesn't matter. You're worshiping something in your life. But Psalm 86 says this, All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall, uh, shall glorify your name. doesn't matter who you are. You have been created to worship. And I love this topic because obviously I am a worship pastor. So today I want to focus on answering a very simple, simple question. What is worship? Oh, Pastor George, that's easy. It's the first 20 minutes of our Sunday service. <laughs> Do I get a gold star? You know, right? No, it's not that. That's, that, that, that's an expression of worship, right? And I, go, I love the worship at Calvary. The music is so great. On behalf of the entire band, thank you. But that's not worship, okay? We work very hard to try to do the best that we can to offer it to God. But anyway, um, worship is more than just music. Worship is more than just singing. It's not, it's, just, it's not just a genre of music that you find on iTunes, right? Oh, let me go to my worship playlist, right? No, that's one aspect of what worship really means. It makes no difference if you have a, a, a favorite worship song or not. Oh, today they're singing that one. That one's okay, Right? We've all done that. Okay, guilty. I'll, I'll be the first one. Right? Oh, we're singing that song again. Oh, wow. You know, has nothing to do with any of that. Okay? Here's my definition of worship worship is, it's filling in your outline, is my response to what I value most in my life. Right? Worship should be, right? It's a response to what we value the most. Worship is about saying this thing, this person, this experience, this fill-in-the-blank for your life is the most important thing that matters to me. It's the thing that I put first in my life. And you see, I know that you did not lose one hour of sleep and got into church today because you don't want that thing to be God in your life, right? I mean, you're here. You could be doing many other things but you're here because you want that. You want God to be the most valuable thing that you have in your life. But I get it. It's hard. See, we have to do this thing called life in this thing called a fallen world. It's a real thing, okay? It wasn't God's design, but hey, sin is a real thing as well. And so are distractions. And sometimes, church, we're very distracted. Sometimes we're very distracted about who we're supposed to worship. And, you know, we see this all the time. We see this in marriages where a spouse worships the other spouse. And it's just like, this is a weird, you're worshiping another sinner, number one, another human being who's not perfect. And then you wonder, like, oh, you're surprised when they fail? Like, 
No, marriage is supposed to be two sinners, broken people, coming together with God. God is what strengthens marriages. God is what directs marriages, right? How about, how about parents? I've seen some parents that worship their kids, straight up. You know, you see, you've seen them at Target. You don't, you don't make eye contact. You're just like, oh, snap. Look, they're right there. Aisle seven. Look at, look what she, oh, she talked back to her like, oh, oh, if that was my kid, oh, chancleta, you know, like, just, you know what I'm saying? Right, some, I mean, they, some, some parents let the kids run the household. It's a recipe for disaster. It's crazy. Those little blood suckers, it's crazy. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> no, but maybe, maybe it's not that. Maybe for you, maybe you just, you, you have a similar story to me. Like, yeah, you just grew up not having a lot. I mean, I grew up in Hialeah, and it was, man, it was rough, okay? And, um, and we had good Cuban food. That's about it. But, um, but listen, I didn't have a lot. Maybe you didn't have a lot, and you went to school. You busted your butt, man. You just you studied. You got the career of your dreams. But could it be that you're worshiping that career, right? The career that got you all the stuff, right? At the end of the day, somehow something feels like it's still missing. You weren't created to worship your kids. You weren't created to worship your job. You weren't created to worship anything else but our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's who you were created to worship. So I'm glad you're here today because today we're going to clear this up once and for all. Okay, we're going to get a clear understanding, hopefully, of what it looks like to live a life of worship. Not just sing and praise. No, I'm talking about actual worship. And why is this important? Because I believe that you are like me. I want more of God in my life, not less. I want more understanding of his word, not less, right? I want to see real change in my life. I really want to see an impact in my life. And I know that you want the exact same thing for yourselves. And the key, my friends, is worship. And so the Bible's definition of worship is found in the book of Romans, okay? And so that's what we're going to be in today. Now, you have to understand a little bit about the, uh, the book of Romans. I was talking to our youth uh, director, uh, James Joyce Jr. He played guitar. and he was, he's awesome. Anyway, and he was telling me, he's like, oh, Pastor George, the book of Romans isn't a book that you read. It's a book that you have to study and dissect and really understand what you're reading because it is dense, okay? So I'm going to kind of give you the, 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 you know, like a little summary of it, okay? It was written by the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was a Pharisee. He knew the law in and out. Now, he was also the Pharisee that was persecuting the church, wanting to get Christians arrested. I mean, it, it, was, it was a bad situation. Well, Jesus shows up, radically saves his life. It's, you know, the, the road to Damascus is a big, really po- popular uh, Bible story. He gets radically saved and then starts writing. He gets baptized, and immediately he starts writing. He ends up writing the majority of our New Testament. Insane, right? Now, in the book of Romans, the first 11 chapters, he's writing to the church and the Christians in Rome. It's a crazy place to try to have church, especially in that time. So it's like, I need to remind you of the basics. I need to remind you of the foundation of what we actually believe. So the first 11 chapters, here's what he talks about. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Oh, that sounds like a really fun book, Pastor George. Listen, it gets better. The wages of sin is death. Huh? Super encouraging. It's amazing, right? Then, but here's the thing. It doesn't end there. It gets better, I promise. Really study the book of Romans. It's incredible, right? But God sent Jesus. Why? Because he knew that the wages of sin was death, and that was a crazy debt to pay. Jesus paid that debt on our behalf over every sin you and I have ever made. 
Why? Because of grace. We don't deserve it. I don't know how to explain it. One day in heaven, I'm going to ask him, you crazy, man. You crazy. You did that for me, right? But he did. And now in chapter 12, which is where we're going to be, we learn how to finally apply what we learn in those 11 chapters, apply that into our personal lives. So if you're with me, Romans 12.1, it's in your outline, says this, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And there's the word, right? This is your true and proper worship. If I want to live a life of worship, then first fill in your outline, I need more of him and less of me. Paul says, you have to understand, in view of his mercy, God's mercy for our lives, when you look back on everything that God's done in your life, when he healed you, when he healed your marriage, when he saved your marriage, when he forgave you, when he, when all the victories that you had in your life, Paul is saying, in light of that, we shouldn't just think that worship is kind of cool, I guess. Oh, yeah, I guess I, I guess I should show up Sunday morning on time to worship from the first song, right? No, it's not just a, 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 like, oh, maybe I should do that. No, it, you should be compelled to worship. You should be like, like crawling out of your skin. I gotta, I gotta get to church. I gotta worship. I need to worship him, right? Because in view of that, that we don't deserve, that's why we should be compelled to worship. But here's the question. Why do we put ourselves into the equation when it comes to worship? Why? Because we are selfish people. I'm the first one. I'm the king of the selfishness, right? Because it's, it's just, this flesh is just weak, and I get it. But here's the thing, we've got to take our perspective and change it. In John 3.30, it says this, He must increase, but I must decrease. We worship because He showed us mercy first, and He deserves the praise of His people. He deserves all the praise. See, now, don't get, me, don't get it twisted. Do we find peace when we worship here? Yeah, of course. Do we find a sense of relief? Absolutely. There's no doubt. Why? Because you're in the presence of the living God. What else are you going to feel like, right? It's incredible what, what God can do in a room. But he, I, I just be careful with the words that sometimes people use. Like, oh, I just can't wait to worship. I really needed to worship this week. Mm. I can't wait to worship. I, I, I really need this worship. You don't need anything, okay? Worship has never been about you. It's a, it, and, and be careful not to make it seem like what, you ha- what happens for 20 minutes here is like some type of temporary escape from reality the rest of the week. That's not the way worship was designed. And, and I think about temporary relief a lot because a couple weeks ago, I, I, um, I turned 40. Can you believe that? Right? Yeah, it was my birthday a couple weeks. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. I know I look 13, but you know what I'm saying? You know, I moisturize. I got I to, if you want a skincare, anyway. Don't, don't listen to me. Listen to my wife. She looks great. Anyway, so um, I turned the big four zero, and it's a, it's a big deal, right? Because I, and some people get weird about getting older. I don't. I'm just grateful that I'm still here. So, so is she right? I'm just grateful that I'm still here. I'm grateful that I made it to another milestone, another thing, another year of life. Thank you, God, that I'm like, because honestly, my life should have ended a long time ago, right? But I think about the road that got me to 40. I think about when I had a really bad attitude and like, I thought I knew everything when I was 20, right? In my 20s, I was, you couldn't talk to me, George, oh, tremendo pesado. Like that guy, he's like, you can't talk to him. He just knows everything. Like he's so rude, whatever. Then I thought, thought about my 30s, and in my 30s, I experienced a lot of loss. Um, there's a lot of tragedy. There's a lot of stuff that happened. There's health problems and stuff and all of that. 
And then there was like this like pandemic right at the end of my 30s. I'm like, oh, thanks a lot. That's, that's a cherry on top, a world pandemic. Like, what is that all about, right? Um, but I started thinking and thanking God that I've made it to 40. And, and you know what I realized, church, is that every time that I made it through a tragedy, every time that I made it through that brick wall that I thought I would never get past, whenever, I mean, like the anxiety, the, every single day I made it past one day to the next to the next. Why? The only way I got through that was getting out of God's way. And so many times, every single time that I got in his way, I made a mess of what he was trying to do. I made a complete fool out of myself. And just like, it's a, it was a disaster, you know? And the thing is, our relationship with Jesus should be pretty simple, right? Like, all right, God, you're God. I'm not. Cool. Are we good? Yeah, we're good, right? But we, we're not good. We, we can't, if, we, if we're honest, we can't let go of that wheel. We want to take control. Like, how long is it going to take? Is it coming now? I've been praying for like two months. Uh, two months is an eternity. Really? Two months? Eternity? Come on now, right? No. We make it more complicated than it has to be, and worship is the exact same way. It should be simple, but we complicate it. We think worship is for us. Church, worship will be for Jesus, was for Jesus, and will always be for our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what worship is all about. But you need more of him and less of you. So I want to help you with that. How do we do that? How do we find more of God? In his word. But we can go weeks, can't we? Weeks, months maybe. We're just like, oh yeah, no, I, I get the, the verse of the week. That's enough, right? Hey, that's better than nothing. But when was the last time you actually decided to like read a book that's not just your favorite story in the Bible, your favorite verses that help you feel? No, I'm talking about just read God's word because you actually believe that the word is alive and has the power to transform your life. You actually believe that. Because if you did, man, we would be in it and just like ugh, tearing that thing up. So I want to help you. If you're interested, only if you're interested, no pressure, okay? In the back of your connection card, I'm going to start a six-day Bible study through a Bible plan all about worship. And we're going to go day by day, reading God's Word, deciding to put Him above our needs, deciding that we want more of Him instead of us. And if you're interested in that, you can sign up today, and I'll send you that Bible plan starting tomorrow, and I can guarantee you're going to be very happy that you did, because for some of us, we haven't read our Bible in a very long time. We think, oh, it's just the Bible. It's not just the Bible. That's how we find more of Him. So um, first thing is, I need, to, to, I need more of Him, less of me. The second thing, if we want a life of worship, if I want a life of worship, I need to offer a continual sacrifice, a continual sacrifice. Parents, Who's a parent in here? Pray for these people. <laughs> Pray for them, please, right? Parents, you guys are experts at continual sacrifice. These little demons that we call kids, okay? Um, I can say that about my kids. I'm not calling your kids demons. It's mine. Just pray for, please pray. Uh, <laughs> no, but seriously, like, these kids have no clue how the world works yet, right? I have a, I have a six-year-old son and a nine-year-old daughter, and they just think food just magically appears. Like, oh, look at that. Lunch. Oh, look, dinner, snacks, ice cream. Like, oh, okay, yeah. How much was that ice cream? You know what I mean? Like, they don't have no idea. They think that their clothes just get magically washed by some fairy that, ha that knows, like, you know, like a washing machine. And it's like, no. We're, like, me and Evan are trying the best that we can to provide for our family and our household. They don't, they have no clue about that, and we don't expect them to, right? But man, 
In our house, from like the, the time of 5 p.m. to like 7 p.m., it is chaos, okay? It's absolute chaos, okay? It's like, you know, dinner, let's get them bathed, let's do our due diligence as parents, they're still alive, okay? And then the word that nobody wants to hear, especially when you're five years old or six years old, hey, guys, it's bedtime. I don't know what kind of magic spell happens when I say that, but as soon as I say it's bedtime, they're like, I'm so hungry. They're like, you just had dinner. And I'm so thirsty. <coughs> like, I'm just, right? And, and like continual sacrifice, that's what it looks like, right? My, or other thing, my, my kids are still different. I tell Jaden, hey, I need you, you're sick. I need you to drink this medicine. Have you ever tried giving kids medicine? Oh, my gosh, right? And Jaden goes, okay, papi. Thanks. And he goes to bed. I'm like, hallelujah. Sarah. Like, like a drop of medicine. Like, hey, mama, hey, can you take some medicine? He's like, ah. <laughs> what is that? It's like, it, it, it's, it's, it's your I need you to take your medicine. You know this. Like, we do this every single night. Can you take, ah, it's too much. It's too, no, it's too much. It's too much. I'm like, like, Holy Spirit, please. Like, like, take the wheel, Jesus, because I'm losing. Like, it's, like, it's like, just, I need a cracker. I need, like, right? Parents understand continual sacrifice because I have to continually sacrifice my sanity every single day, right? <laughs> well, what I love about what Paul's saying is that this continual sacrifice, we have to offer ourselves as a continual sacrifice, offer our bodies. See, Israel were experts. Israel, the Israelites were experts at this. They would bring an entire animal, right, blemish-free, right, and then put it on the altar, burn it up. This is how they would worship and get right with God because of their sin. And then once that animal was all burnt up, it was over, right? That was their burnt offering. But Paul isn't talking about us offering un puerco en una cajachina. You know, like, I don't, know how to, I don't even know how to say that in English. A pig in a Chinese box. Uh, anyway, whatever, sorry. He's not telling us to bring an animal. He can care less about a dead animal. He's talking about something that's alive and well, our lives. See, he needs to, we need to offer our bodies. In 1 Corinthians, it says this, For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify your God, God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So you need to tell God today, God, I am all in. There's no, there's no asterisk. There's no like, hey, uh, you know, bottom line. No, no. I am all in. I'm writing you a blank check for my life. You can do whatever you want with it. I am done. I am all in. You can take my dreams, my hopes, my aspirations, my anxiety. Paul's saying, offer it all as a living sacrifice. Because when, listen, when the Israelites brought that whole animal, they understood, I, this, was, this belongs to me, but I am releasing authority of that, and I'm giving it to God. In the same way that we need to understand that we need to bring all of our lives. Imagine if the Israelites would have been like, hey, God, I messed up. Here's a couple of chicken wings. How much can I get of that? Like, you know what I mean? Like, no, that would be ridiculous, right? A couple of chicken wings. But how many times do we offer pieces of our lives to the Lord instead of all of it? How many times are you like, no, no, God's cool, but I, I got to take care of this part. Oh, my finances, or no, my marriage, no, 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 my kid, no, 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 but the Bible says this, but I, you know, does it though? Yeah, it does. It really does, right? We cannot expect God to speak and direct our lives if we are only offering pieces of our lives instead of all of it. He wants it all. And I remember, listen, I've been a musician my whole life. Um, my biggest dream was to be a rock star. Um, and that was interesting because I, I never really got to a rock star thing. I definitely didn't have the hair for the rock star thing, but whatever. Um, but I remember like working hard, learning my instrument, you know, drumming and all that. 
Then I worked in studios. I worked with some pretty incredible artists and, and stuff and people that you probably listen to in your car, you know, and all that. And I was touring and I was doing the thing. I, I, and I remember like just thinking like, this is it. This is the life. This is what I've been wanting. I go, God, I've been praying for this and I, I'm doing, I'm a full-time touring professional musician. And it was terrible. Terrible. I, like, I, I don't know how much more gas station food I can possibly consume in my life. It was so bad. You know, like the hot dog that rolls for hours. Like, it's like 17 shades darker than it ever should have been. And you bite it. Like, that's good. It's a good hot dog. Listen, it was terrible. And then Evelyn showed up in my life. And uh, wives have a way of doing something. They just, they shake you up real quick. Like, you want this? You better, you better fix yourself, you know, all that stuff. And so I remember I told, I told Evelyn, I'm like, hey, this is what I do. And she's just like, oh, that's cool, you know. And then we started getting closer to getting married. And then God really put it in my heart. He's like, how are you going to be a good husband if you go on tour for six months and leave her alone? How's that going to work for my daughter-in-law, by the way? And I'm like, uh, how's it going to work that she's going to sleep after a long day of work and you're just starting work because you're going to clock in to go to the studio at 11 o'clock at night. How is this marriage going to work, George? And I, man, I remember saying, it's not. Not, I don't know, I'll figure it out, I'll give God excuses. No, no, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to like, no, 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 but look, look, this life can work. No, no, I told God, you're absolutely right. It's not going to work. And I sacrificed not only for the sake of my life, but for the sake of my future family, <laughs> family. Because man, let me tell you, God honored that decision. He honored that decision. Today, I get to lead worship on the most important stage that's ever been created. There's no stadium built big enough to talk about what happens in this room. Because I'm sorry, I love you guys, but I'm not really leading worship for you. All I'm thinking about when I lead worship is I'm just focusing on that king. Focus, focusing on what Jesus has done for me, because that's what we're here to do. Thank you. Amen. Amen. So here's what Hebrews says. It says, therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Church, what is it in your life that you have to sacrifice today? What is it today that you have to surrender to God? Maybe for you, after service, you have to have a moment with God and just tell him, God, I've been worshiping the wrong thing. Maybe for you, you let him know, today I want to put you first. But, but Pastor George, that sounds terrifying because I know I'm going to make mistakes. Yeah, you are. We all are going to make mistakes. But please understand this. Don't let one mistake, don't let one bad day in your life stop you from an eternity of amazing things with the Lord. That one day does not define your walk with Christ. We're going to have our ups. We're going to have our downs. Do not let that stop you. We have to continually sacrifice for the Lord. That's what it looks like to worship. Because let me tell you, God has much wider shoulders to carry much more of the burden that you have been trying to carry without him. That's why we worship. But... Paul doesn't stop there. So, okay, we need to be a living sacrifice. I got it. But now, how do I do that? Well, in Romans 12, uh, verse 2, he says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
If I want to live a life of worship, the last thing in your outline is I need to be set apart. I need to be set apart. The Apostle Paul gives us the key. We cannot worship if we are not set apart from the world. The, the word worship and world start with a W. That's about all that they have in common. They are miles away from each other. Why? Because the world and worship cannot coexist because that's not why worship was created. See, the world wants you to worship everything except Jesus Christ. We see it everywhere. We see it in the news. We see it in award shows, which are really awkward, in movies, even in kids' cartoons. The fact that I have to watch a cartoon before my kids watch it just to make sure that it's okay, it's crazy. What happened? Like, what's up, Doc? That was super simple. I know it was very, like, graphic and boulders and stuff. My kids can't pick up a boulders. We're good. It was fine, you know? But nowadays, it's crazy. I mean, like, the world wants you to get triggered on social media. Some of you, that's a career. It's crazy. And have arguments and, like, that, just arguments that are not going to matter in heaven. Like, oh, probably this. Who said this? She said that. She did it. Who cares? They're on the screen. Just look. Keep going, you know? Like, come on. It's ridiculous the power that a screen has in our life. No way, no way. Listen, God has commanded us to be set apart. Literally, the, the definition of being holy, being set apart. Because the world offers us the shiny distractions, the, the riches, the pleasures. Ooh, church, that's all temporary. You can't take any of it to heaven. In 1 John, it says this, it's perfectly put in this, in this verse. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, ooh, that tastes good, that looks good, right? The lust of the eyes, hey, well, yeah, right? The pride of life, it's the same move the world always makes, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever, forever. That's why we're here. We're not here for the temporary 80, 70, 90, whatever years you're going to have on this terrible place called earth. We're talking about where you're going to spend eternity, where we get to worship 24-7. There's no tears. There's no more sickness. There's no more triggering on social media. There's no more phones. Good Lord, right? It's going to be a glorious place, glorious place. But you see, how do you know if you're conforming to the world or not, right? Simple. There are people, I'm going to give you a little secret. There are people in your life that are watching. They are. They're not telling you that they're watching because that's weird. Stalkers don't do that. That's just, that's, you know what I'm saying? Right? But they're watching you. They're watching how you live. They're watching how you, how you deal with a tragedy, how you deal with the, the really angry boss that's very unfair, right? They're, they're, they're watching how you treat your kids when they're blowing up, right? I mean, they, they, they're watching how you speak, how you do life. Why? Because they want to see what this Christian thing is all about, but they're never going to step a foot inside this church. Maybe they will if you invite them and, you know, who knows. But the first glimpse of Jesus is your life. The first glimpse of Jesus in an unbeliever's life could be your testimony, and that could be very scary for some of us. You're like, oh, that's, that, that's terrifying. But they want to know if the person we worship actually exist. And they're going to understand that by what you do and how you reflect 
Jesus, not the world. If you just blend into the world, then we've got a problem. And so, listen, I'm not saying everything that you put your attention to, your passion to, like it's bad. How many of you guys like Star Wars? You guys like Star Wars? Anybody like Star Wars? Okay, right? Like Pastor Bob loves Star Wars. I wouldn't say Pastor Bob worships Star Wars, right? That'd be a really weird thing. But here's the thing. You can love Star Wars all you want. But if you start worshiping Star Wars, you end up looking like this. And I'm sorry, okay? Nice legs, R2. Yeah, it's nice. This is not God's best for their life. I can guarantee you that, right? That's not the best for your, your life either. Okay, you can take that off. I mean, Chewbacca's awesome, but anyway, right? No, that's not the best for your life. But you have to be very careful, church, and please listen to this one. Understand that you become what you worship. So what are you worshiping? Because that's the same reason that alcohol turns us into an alcoholic. That's the same reason why work can destroy our family. It's the same exact reason why a little compromise over here is not a big deal, Pastor George. A little thing here, a little, a little taste over here, a little flirting over here, a little just dipping my... No, it's just... You're in the most dangerous place that you can possibly be in your life. And I can only imagine how ridiculous we look like worshiping somebody else while God's like, hello? <laughs> hello? You know, after all I've done in view of God's mercy? Remember my mercy? Yeah. If we say we, look, if we, say we worship God and look nothing like Jesus, there is a disconnect. There should be transformation. People should look at you and be like, what's different about you? Why do you talk like that even when they treat you like that? Why do you respond that way? You should get back at that person for all they did to you in your life. What's wrong with you? I have friends of mine that don't get it, that don't talk to me anymore. Honestly, my circle of friends is really small now because they think I'm, oh, you're Mr. Holier Than Thou. I'm like, well, I, well actually, it's the opposite. I'm broken in need of a savior who is holier than thou. And that's what I'm trying to do, but you don't see that. But hey, it's okay. I'm still going to be here. I'm still going to pray for you. There should be transformation in your life. In 2 Corinthians, it says this, Therefore, if anyone, not just some, anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Notice that verse didn't say that the old has passed away, and now you're perfect. No. God doesn't expect us to live a perfect life. God expects us to live a life that conforms to the image of Christ. That's what he expects from you and I. We need to look more and more like Jesus. That's the end game for us. When Jesus came into this earth and started ministering to the broken, to the lame, to the unclean, to the forgotten, the people that nobody cared about, the garbage of that society, right? What did they say? He's doing something wrong. He's breaking the rules. Don't follow that, that hypocrite. Don't follow that false prophet because no, no, no. The unconditional love, no, 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 no. That's messed up. No, no, no. You know what he was doing? He was leaving an example for us to follow because he was worshiping 
showing us how to worship. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter. We need to love unconditionally. He was set up. It's amazing, right? He wanted the Father's will. He wanted more of him and less of, 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 of Jesus himself. He's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. God, right before he goes to the cross, more of you. God, your will, not my will. But if, I mean, do I have to do this? He was human. Right? He was set apart from the world's expectations. No, no, but the prophet, the, no, the Messiah is supposed to come this way. He's like, yeah, that's cool. But I'm already here. And obviously, he was the perfect sacrifice that still continues each and every day of our lives. What he did on that cross is going to be spoken about for the rest of eternity. And I'm sorry, church, if there's something wrong with worshiping a person like that, if there's something wrong with reading the words of life, if there's something wrong with loving my neighbor as myself, with worshiping God first instead of everything else, then I'm sorry. If those are the rules, then today those rules were meant to be broken. Because I'm following Jesus, not because of what the world tells me. I'm following Jesus because he told me to. He called me out and said, follow me, just like those fishermen. So maybe you're here today. You've been hearing, all right, George, man, you got a big mouth. <laughs> I get it. I'm sorry. Uh, maybe you're here today and you've been distant from God. Maybe you're here today and you've made some mistakes. You've sinned. Welcome to the club. You know? You've hurt some people. Maybe some people have deeply, deeply hurt you. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry on their behalf. But can I tell you, it's time to stop worshiping your circumstance and start worshiping the person who can change it. And that happens with you. I can't force that on you. I wish I could so you can see what it's like on the great days when I decide to surrender all of it to, Lord, to the Lord. But today you can. Today you can surrender it all to Jesus. I mean, how much longer are you going to do this by yourself? That's exhausting. You know? We are in desperate need of a Savior. And you know why? Because the world can't save any of us. But He can. Let's pray. Father, I thank You so much for Your Word. I thank You that You are here right now. God, that You know each of our lives. You know what's keeping us up at night. God, you know our story. You're not a distant God that we've got to try harder and harder to get to. Father, you are a personal God that is here right now, and you haven't left us. You're never going to forsake us. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. But God, we're sorry because we're the ones that change from time to time. We're the ones that distance ourselves from time to time. We're the ones that worship something that we're not really created to worship. And Father, for that, we are sorry. But Father, we're not done yet. We're here right now. We're ready, Father, to welcome you with open arms. We're ready to open our eyes to see you. We're open to open our hearts to let you in. Because Father, we've made a mess of our lives. And we are in dire need of our Savior. I thank you for Jesus, that you sent him to, to, to just pay the debt that I really owed for my sin and my mistakes. But Father, because of that, the death on the cross, it says that whosoever believes that Christ raised from the dead and confesses that with their mouth will be saved. So God, right now, I just pray for every eye, every eye, who's, eye closed and every head bowed, I pray that you would save right now. If you're here and today's the day that you break the rules, 
Today's the day that you, you unlink yourself from the world. If today's the day that you decide to start putting God first, that you want God to be the most valuable thing in your life. I want to ask you, with every eye closed, I want to ask you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. I see your hand. I see your hand. Thank you. God bless you. I see your hand. I see you in the back. Father, I thank you for every hand that was raised. But more importantly than the hand being raised, I thank you for the heart that is changing right before our eyes, God. God, we want more of you and less of us. We want to be set apart from this world. We want to learn what it's like to be like your son and continually sacrifice every day of our lives, God. We want to worship you and worship you alone. Forgive us for what's holding us back, Father. So if you raise your hand, and I just want to invite all of us to pray this out loud. It's, it's a prayer. It's not a magic formula. But if you mean this prayer in sincerity, our Father in heaven will hear it. And according to his word and according to his will, you shall be saved. Not live a perfect life, but you shall be saved. And that's priceless. So right now, I just want to invite all of us to pray this out loud and encourage those of us who are making this decision. Let's pray all this out loud. Repeat after me. Say, dear God, I come before you today and I say that I'm sorry for the sin in my life, for the mistakes I've made. I believe that Jesus died so that I can have eternal life. And I want to follow him all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, and we all say, amen. Come on now. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If today you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's one of the best decisions you've ever made. And we as a church want to help you with your next steps. You see, we have a free gift we'd like to give you. And in order for you to receive that gift, all you have to do is visit mycalvary.com forward slash begin. Don't forget to tune in next week for our next podcast. God bless you.